This is the Regular Pastor Podcast. My name is Landon Coleman. I am the preaching pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Odessa, Texas. Today I am joined by uh, Chris Harrington. Originally it was going to be Chris and Lisa, but Lisa is, let's just leave it at not well. Home, Miss Church. You know she's not well if she missed church. Didn't make it this morning and uh, didn't make it this afternoon. Uh, Chris is the missions pastor here at Emmanuel, and we're going to talk about that today. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Take a minute to introduce yourself to our vast, numerous audience. Well, thanks for having me today, and thanks for asking me to do this. I wish Lisa could be here. She wanted to be here. Um, but yeah, I've been a member here at Emmanuel for a long time, all my life, and um, me and Lisa uh, have been married for a long time, over 20 years. Did you start off in the baby room? I did. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Old school. Yep. Not a lot has changed down there except the paint. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so um, I actually work for DCP Midstream. Um, I've been there for a while. Uh, I'm a corrosion specialist. And What does that mean? Uh, basically, I try to keep pipe from exploding, pipeline. That's a, a good thing. So yeah, it's good for, it's good for the public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Lisa teaches first grade. She's been teaching first grade for a while. She's at Blanton Elementary here in Odessa. And so, um, yeah, that's what we do to make money. There you go. What about your boys? Uh, I got a Mason. He's a junior at Texas Tech. And uh, Logan is a senior at Permian. They both played tennis and are very active and um, have grown up to be good young men so far. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> good guys. We like them. Uh, Chris does a great job leading missions teams at our church. I tell everybody uh, when maybe we have a new member class and I'm talking about the staff or maybe I'm just talking uh, with somebody about our church who's visited, um, going on a mission trip with our church is very different uh, from other mission trips that I've gone on at different times in the past. Uh, I think a lot of people have a short-term mission trip experience where they signed up, they got their passport, they paid the money, they met at the airport, and they took off. And then on the back end, they came home and the trip was over. Uh, and I, I think you've put some great things in place here to uh, pastor people, to actually shepherd them through the process and prepare them for going. So maybe someday uh, we'll sit down and talk about short-term mission trips uh, because that's an interesting topic to me, and uh, you have a lot of wisdom in that. Today, I want to talk about nourishing the nations. Chris is the, I don't know what you like to be called, the president, CEO, grand poobah, <laughs> uh, the expert, the wise sage, whatever you want to call it, of nourishing the nations. And I just grabbed this off the website of nourishing the nations it says, Nourishing the Nations exists to provide nourishing meals to the children of Kasumu County in western Kenya. These meals are provided through partnerships with local Kenyan pastors. As we provide nourishing meals for children, we pray the children and their families would come to know eternal life in Jesus Christ. So really what I want to get into is just talking about nourishing the nations, what it is, how it got started, uh, what you want to see happen through it, all those sorts of things. I think it's one of the neatest ministries I've ever got to watch from the outside and actually be a part of a little bit. Uh, but just back up and let's give a little bit of history so folks know more about you and, and your life experience. How did you, a DCP corrosion specialist in Odessa, Texas, 
get a heart or even a knowledge and a connection with Kenya? How did your relationship with the nation of Kenya come about in the first place? What's the history behind that? Well, it was, honestly, I wasn't looking for it. Um, you know, my mom and dad had instilled missions in us when we were younger. In you what know? way? How? Yeah, we always served, whether yeah. it be through um, as junior high, going to Mexico. Yeah. Um, got a little older, got involved with world changers, you know, doing stuff like that. Uh, stuff here in town, you know. Was your just, dad a crew chief? He was. Oh, I can picture yeah. him. Yep, he was a crew chief. Nice. Um, and then we got involved with the disaster relief, the Texas mm. Baptist men. And, you know, just small stuff here, putting roofs on churches here and on houses and just um, always instill just a sense of, of missional living, mm-hmm. um, service to others. and By example? By and example. And by teaching you? Exactly. And, yeah. Yep. You know, they, they led by example. And that's what we're trying to do as a, as a mom and dad to Mason and Logan. And, yep. Um, you know, as, as we got into student ministry, uh, in, in 2008, um, you and Lisa, yeah, me and Lisa got into student ministry as volunteers. Um, actually when Corey, uh, became the student pastor, uh, we got, we got hooked up with him and, and taught high school. And, um, in the summer of, I think 2011, I wanted to, uh, take our older students on a mission trip. And where where did that come from? Just from trips you'd been on, or something you heard about? Yeah, just or? just talking to the students for yeah. one, and they were expressed interest in doing something different other than missions camp during the summer. Hmm. Um, and we've been going to student life camp for a while, and student life had their missions arm servant life, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was the first place I checked. Just a natural connection you already right. had, right? Just okay. something that I already was familiar with a little bit. Um, and so I called Servant Life and I said, hey, this is who we are. This is, we know a little bit about you guys. And for, for whatever reason, I was drawn to their trip to Kenya. And can you explain that? Or is it just for whatever reason? For whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know. It just said Kenya, you know. And, and is this one out of 20 trips? One yeah, there out was, of two trips? There was or? probably about 12 or 14 options huh. in, in Africa, Europe, okay. and a little bit in South America. And I was just drawn to Kenya, you know. I don't know why. Yeah. I think the Lord just led me to that. Sure. And uh, and so I called Servant Life. We got hooked up with with Kenya. Uh, the missionaries that we went with the first time were Bud and Kimberly Huffman. They were from San Angelo, and so that was a, a natural fit. Mm. You know, they were from Texas. We were from Texas, and so that's kind of how we got uh, to Kenya the first time. Mm-hmm. Was just through um, wanting to take the students over and. So what was that trip like? What'd y'all do? Well. It was crazy because I had never done anything like that before. Go to Africa, take okay. a team, a large team like that. How many went? A dozen? There were, there were 20 of us. Oh, 20, wow. Yeah, there were 19 of us and, and one girl from Washington State who <sighs> Servant Life put with us. Wow. And we got off the plane in Africa, didn't have a clue what we were doing. And it was a really cool story. We got off the plane in Africa, and the first guy I met was a guy named David Wangaka. Uh-huh. He was a guy from Kenya who, in 2011 was a compassion rep at oh. Student Life Camp in Fort Lewis. And he was the one who was going to take us around that week. And so immediately I felt a lot better just oh. knowing David. And was that a chance meeting or he was there to help you with your team and all no, that he sort was, of stuff? No, the, the missionaries yeah. uh, in Katali, Kenya, had actually hired David uh, to work with them. Very good. And so that was a good... Sort of confirmation. Oh, we're yeah. in the right place. Exactly. We're, we're yeah. heading on the right track. Exactly. So it was good. That was a cool deal. Yeah. So what was the... After that trip... I mean, 
Tons of people go on short-term mission trips. Mm-hmm. Tons of people do it. Not everyone goes back year after year after year, multiple times a year like you and, and Lisa have done and how you've led at our church. What was it about that first trip that made you want to go back again? Well, I think for us, on the bus ride back from Nakuru, Kenya, back to Nairobi, I had a sense of that, that God wanted us to do something more. I didn't have a clue what it was. Um, us being you and Lisa, yeah, us being Emmanuel, both. us being me and Lisa as a husband and wife, and us as Emmanuel. Huh. And at the time, I I wasn't involved in um, more than just leading a student mission trip. I wasn't involved as a church leader leading missions at the time, and so I didn't didn't know what it would look like. Right. Um, and so as we um, wanted to do something else, you know. Uh, I didn't know if it would actually be in Kenya. Mm. You know, I just knew that the, that God had something more for us, mm-hmm. um, and so we made plans to go back to Kenya. Um, and those plans fell through um, mm. with with our mission partners in Katali, and then uh, Chris and Sarah Ray had just moved here, and they had a connection from New Mexico uh, there in Kenya. And so in the summer of 2013, me and Chris and several other guys and uh, went over and kind of did a scouting trip, a mm-hmm. vision trip mm-hmm. in 2013. Uh, and then we got back from Kenya in late June. We took the students on to, to a camp mm-hmm. uh, in Durango again at Fort Lewis. And Matt Carter and Aaron Ivey were mm-hmm. leading worship uh, and preaching that week. And the whole week, was he preached on missions. Mm. That was Matt Carter. His church was a, really involved in missions and sending people. Uh, and I, me and Lisa were talking about this the other day. We just m- remember very distinctly um, one of the nights Matt Carter was talking about um, just living on mission. Mm. Didn't matter if you were a full-time missionary, someone who was whatever, you just need to live on missions. And we felt that night, and we actually went out by ourselves and prayed, and we knew that that night God had called us to full-time mission, whether it be full-time and us still work, right, or just to devote our life to to serving others, wasn't necessarily a we're packing our bags and no. moving overseas, but we're all in, right. Whatever it looks like, you're open to that, right. I like that. I, I I've tried to counsel several young people in that direction when they've wrestled with a call to ministry or a call to missions, and tried to say, look, you're not signing your life to go to Timbuktu forever. Right. You're just signing your life away mm-hmm. to do whatever God wants you to do. Yep. And if he wants you to stay here and work and lead, then that's what you need to do. Yeah. If he wants you to go to Timbuktu forever, then that's what you need to do too. But yeah. Sometimes it's more glamorous to say, hey, we're packing our bags and we're moving our family to Africa. Sure it is. You know, but, but that's not reality for most people. Most people are called to, to have a full-time job and, yep. and raise a family. But as you're doing that, use what the Lord has given you to, to help others. And that's kind of what, what our, I like it. What, what we do. Would you say that first trip over to Kenya that you led 20 people, was that a good trip? Was that a good experience? Was it, uh, you learned a lot of what not to do when you go back yeah, type I, trip or how would you describe I it? I think it depends on who you ask, who, who went on that trip. <laughs> There's a few people at one of that trip that said, yeah, that's good, done. I'm marking it off the list. I'm never going back. <laughs> Been there, done that, right. got the T-shirt. Yeah, but I think it was a good trip because it exposed us to um, a third world, huh. uh, a people who desperately need, need Jesus. Mm-hmm. They need um, help in other ways. Yeah. Um, and it, 
I absolutely, along with others, fell in love with the people of Kenya that, that week. So, yeah, it was good. I like it. Um, how many short-term teams have you led since then? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 between Kenya and Alaska. I mean, yeah, Alaska. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so probably I would say 15, somewhere in that, that neighborhood. Some of those trips you came back excited, mm-hmm. fired up. Some of those trips you probably came back and thought, that was terrible. Yeah. I'm sick of these people and oh, sick yeah. of that place. And, yeah. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing it right or wrong. That's just kind of part of it, don't mm-hmm. you think? Yeah. I mean, the highs and the lows are... Yeah, that's part of it, and that's what that's what you got to deal with. I mean, I've I've been sitting in the airport in Kenya just crying because I didn't want to leave, mm-hmm. and I've also been sitting at the airport in Kenya and think, I can't wait to get home, and I'm never coming back. <laughs> um, and I think people who know me know some of those emotions that I've experienced because they've experienced them with me. Yeah, on you know? those trips. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's tough. That's the tough part about it. So what makes you go back even when you've had those moments where you said, I hate leading these teams. You people are nuts, and we're not making a bit of difference over here. Maybe you you have a, a not great experience. Why keep going back? What what changes or what what, th- what brings you back? I think when you have ex- um, experiences like we had in our trip in July um, on Tuesday, you know the Lord just shows us stuff and confirms that what we're doing huh. is is good work. People are coming to know the Lord because of it. Um, we're we're feeding kids. F- kids are getting fed. They look more. They look healthy. Mm. You know, you see real change. It's it's not fun a lot of the times, you know. But when you go over there and the Lord shows you what He showed us on that Tuesday, mm. you know, of of stuff that we're doing and we're partnering with these guys, and you see confirmation of what you're doing is actually benefiting them, and people are coming to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's why I keep doing it, even on the hard days mm. when I want to say, forget it, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so fifteen or so teams, short-term teams you've led over the last five to you know seven years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Nourishing the nations is more than a short-term mission trip. Mm-hmm. It's a ongoing, long-term commitment to a place and a people and a, a model of ministry. What happened to you and Lisa? to take the jump not only from, okay, we're youth leaders, now we want to lead mission teams, to, okay, we're leading mission teams, now we want to start a nonprofit and start hitting people up for money and take this thing, you know, wherever the Lord wants to lead it. What what took you from leading teams to wanting to start nourishing the nations? Well, I think when you, when you continue to serve, uh, in a place, and the Lord allows you to continue to go to a, to a place. It's got to be more than I'm going for a week and I get home, and I'm not I'm not going to worry about those people until I get back the next time. And that's where me and Lisa kind of had come to. And it was and it wasn't just me and Lisa. There were other people who were involved in that. You know, me and Lisa just kind of said we'll take the we'll take the reins of this and see what we can do. So we decided to start a nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, and we wanted to do something that people here could afford to help us to do, mm-hmm. but yet make an impact in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that through starting Nourishing the Nations. You know, um, we started the nonprofit, which was pretty easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's paperwork and some time involved, um, and a little bit of money, but it was fairly pretty easy. Um, I think the Lord showed us favor in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people here 
at our church and friends and family of others have really come to to support as well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and we made really good connections in Kenya. That's why it was so easy for us to do that because of the connection mm. with the pastors that we had there. You know, we saw the need. Yeah, I like that. I like that insight, and I think it's. I don't know. I think you you mentioned earlier. Sometimes it's more exciting to pack up the family and move overseas than it is to stay at your job and work doubly hard to lead in a missional way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes it's more exciting for people to think about starting something big and quote-unquote world-changing rather than what you just described was we just kept going back to the same place. Mm-hmm. When it was hard, when it was fun, when it was easy, when it was not easy, we just kept going back to the same place, building relationships with those people, and out of that came the ministry. Right. You you wouldn't have been able to start this ministry had you not taken dozens of teams no. over um, on a relational standpoint, on a knowledge standpoint, mm-hmm. um, even just logistically. You wouldn't yeah. have had the connections to pull it off and, and make it what it is. So what did what did people say to you, if you can, you don't have to name names, but when you started telling people, I want to start a nonprofit, did you get anybody that thought you were nutty? Did you get people that said, like smiled and said, oh, that's nice? Yeah, I got or, a lot of that. I got a lot of, well, that's cool, you know, and they're probably in the back of their minds, oh, he's fixing asses for money, you know, but um, I think anytime you do something like that, you, uh, you know, you're going to have to. Did people. that bother you? No, not really. You know, because I get, we got, we get it all the time. Even just simply going to Kenya, people are like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? It's crazy. You know, it's dangerous Use all your over vacation. There. Right. Use a vacation. Um, and so when I read, me and Lisa read a book um, called The Dream So Big, Steve Pfeiffer. That's why he went over there um, out of the grief of losing a child. He went mm-hmm. over there to Kenya, him and his wife, to get away um, and just to kind of, uh, they went to work at the Rift Valley Academy, and through his grief and suffering, the Lord envisioned him a feeding ministry, and that's kind of where I got the idea: hey, we can feed these kids in the churches like he's doing in the public schools. Yeah, and so that's kind of where our our vision came from for that. So um, explain nourishing the nations. What I mean, I read the the mission statement from the website earlier, but what is it? What is it? What does well, it what, exist to do? Yeah, what we do is. We have five guys, five pastors that we have past, uh, partnered with over there, JB, David, First Peter, Second Peter, and Jared. Um, we have a good relationship with those guys through just going over there through several times. And what we do is we feed three to four times a week in their churches. Those, those kids come. Uh, a lot of them are school kids. A lot of them are kids who are just uh, living in the area. But they come, and we can provide them a hot meal every day. Um, we can do that for about $25 a day. We can feed a church full of kids. Um, and our hope and our prayer is is that through a physical nourishment, they can come and hear the gospel preached, the gospel of Jesus. Our, our, our verse that we kind of theme ourselves around is John 6.35. You know, Jesus had just got through feeding the 5,000 and miracles, and uh, he had just walked on water, and the guys were coming after him, and they were like, they were looking for him. And Jesus is like, you're looking, look, you're looking at me because you want a meal, basically. Mm-hmm. But you need to come for me for the right reason. I'm the bread of life. If you come with for me, you know you're you're not going to hunger anymore. Mm-hmm. You know I'm the bread of, of life. I give life, and and that's our prayer. We're all hungry. You know these kids are hungry. They're coming for a physical meal, but our prayer is that they come to these churches and they hear the gospel of Jesus and that they're changed eternally mm-hmm. and and with their families. And we're seeing that on mm-hmm. a weekly basis. Yeah, really neat stories about 
kids coming and mom and dad start hanging around sure. and the family starts coming on Sunday mm-hmm. and they hear the gospel and yep. they're in the church mm-hmm. and they're bringing yep. other people. So really, really neat stuff happening there. Why did you, I mean, you talked a little bit about you read a book and you saw what one other guy was doing of all the needs in Kenya. And if mm-hmm. you've ever gone to a third world country, you know, there's so many needs. Yeah. Why this one? For example, when we when we first went, we used to take a bunch of clothes over, clothes, 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 sure. and donate clothes. They need clothes. Mm-hmm. We kind of have backed off that. Yeah. So of all the things you could do to meet needs in Kenya, water wells or this or that, why focus on food? How did you come to that? Was well, it prayer? Was it just how did you get there? We prayed about it, but if you think about it, and I'm not the first one to say this, I don't know where it comes from, but an empty stomach has no ears, hmm. you know? I mean, I could you could walk up to somebody who's starving to death, and if you're gonna if you're gonna just preach and preach to them, they're not gonna want to listen to you because they're hungry, mm. you know. And I think if you meet that need, meet that physical need, and that's what Jesus did. He always met physical needs, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's why we want to do that because yeah. we we had seen over and over again in hospitals, schools, churches of starving children, mm-hmm. uh, and something that we take for granted every day. You know, and with a little bit of money, we could send over there, and with some volunteers over there, they can cook a meal and they can provide these kids with, with a, a good nutritious meal. Yeah. And now going back, since we've been doing this for almost two years now, we're seeing huge change just in the physical appearance of these kids. It's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I like it, and I don't know. I, I tend to think through things, analyze things, and sometimes I I look at something like nourishing the nations or specifically nourishing the nations. And I think, man, there's so many, like we're just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. We're, is it making that big of a difference? Is it whatever? And to the kid who ate today, it's making a difference. Sure. Yeah. And to his family that came to church the next week, it's making a difference. Mm-hmm. And is it meeting every physical need they have? No. And I, I don't think you or me or anyone who gives has the illusion that we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some some compassion-style ministries that maybe try to holistically uh, drag people out of poverty. Yeah. Um, but to the kid who had lunch, it it made a difference. Yep. And to his family that heard the gospel, it did make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, how? What has changed in nourishing the nation since you started it? Anything well, different since well, two years ago? Yeah, I mean, we started out with one church. There was already a school meeting. Sarah's kids was meeting in this church. Um, and that was a, a right choice because there's already about 30 kids who needed to eat there. Mm. Now we're doing five churches. Um, and yes, we do focus on physical meals, but now we, we're doing other things. Like we're, we're helping with those guys in the churches and their pastoral ministries. If they see a need of a home that needs to be built, we're building, helping raise funds to build homes. Yeah. Um, we're, we're providing medical care for some of the kids yep. in the uh, in these churches. Um, so we're, we're not just focused on here's your food and that's what we're doing. We're, we're As things come up, we're seeing if we can help with those. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the story of Shalavine mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. And we're not going to talk about it here, but guys, guys and gals can get online and find it at, what's the website that's been running some of her stories? Yeah, it, it's on uh, Cure. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, the the Cure Hospital in Kajabi, Kenya. Okay. And we have it linked. I think it's on the Nurse in the Nation's Facebook page. Okay. So you can go on there. Cure Hospital in Kajabi. And they've had some stories about a little girl that uh, Nourishing the Nations bumped into at a feeding center, needed some help with a surgery, and 
Again, can we provide medical care to every kid in the program? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But to that one kid, it made a huge difference in her life and in her family's life, physically and spiritually. Um, How do you think you have changed since you've been leading mission teams or since you started nourishing the nations? You and Lisa, what, what has changed in you, in your life, in your marriage, in your family? What's different? Um, I think there's a lot of things that that you that people could probably look at us and say maybe something has changed. But I think for for the most part, for me and Lisa, it's a sense of um, that we want to be doing what the Lord has put in front of us. We mm-hmm. want to help people in our sphere of influence, whether it's here in Odessa or our friends in Kenya. Um, it's frustrating to do ministry across the ocean when you're here, you know, and I think that's one of the things that I really had to work on is the frustration part of it. Um, of wanting to be over there? But or? wanting to be over there, um, misinformation, um, making sure that you have people on the ground that you can trust. Yeah. And so I've really had to work on that myself of learning to trust and mm. let go of the things that we send yeah. um, and trusting our guys over there. And I do, I trust our five pastors wholeheartedly. Yeah. Over there, and there's a balance in there where mm-hmm. when we go over, we use wisdom and common sense, and we're not just forking over buckets of money to anybody. Right. At the same time, once you have a relationship with someone, you do have to trust them and mm-hmm. trust them to carry out their end of the ministry. And whether that's a missionary that we've sent or a national partner on the field, mm-hmm. um, that's a tricky balance. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you want to see happen in nourishing the nations in the future? Like down the road, what are your your thoughts, plans, dreams, hopes? Well, you know, we really want to feed five days a week. You know, and we could probably in each do, of those sites. Yeah, in each of those sites, and we could probably do that um, the next few months. Few months with just a little more help. Um, we've thought we've talked about expanding to other churches, mm-hmm. but we don't want to lose the focus of doing the five that we have and doing it well mm-hmm. and not getting so big where we're stretched thin just to say that we're feeding in so many churches. Don't be big just to be big. Right. We want to do what we're doing well yeah. and provide for those kids and those pastors well. Um, and we want to eventually drill a water well at these churches. And J. Joe Baptist Church, which is First Peter's Church, has water well, and he provides water for his community. Mm-hmm. But they, these other guys need some help with the well. Yeah. Um, and that's not cheap, you know, um, yeah. but water, you know, you've got to have good, clean water. Yeah. And that's one of the things that the Kenyans really struggle with is, is clean water. Yeah. And so that's we want to help with that. Um, so, yeah, we just want to do the things that we're doing and do them well. Um, feeding five days a week, providing mm-hmm. some clean water. We've, we've been able to, with the help of our partners here in the U.S., um, providing motorcycles to our pastors. And mm-hmm. that's been a good help to them. Uh, they can pick up and deliver food, you know, so we've kind of got a motor mo- motorcycle ministry with those guys, <laughs> yeah. if you could say. And so it's a lot. It's it's cool just to be able to provide those guys yeah. things like that. That's cool. So, uh, if people want to give, what's the best way for them to do that if they want to be a part of Nourishing the Nations? The easiest way for someone to give is just to go to our website. Uh, it's www.nourishingthenations.org, and we've got a, a link to a PayPal donate there you just click on that and you can donate and you can we've it's even set up so simple you can click to make it a recurring monthly donation we have a lot of people who do that and so nice. that's that's really the easiest way nice and 
you said it earlier, but say it one more time, the cost of feeding a church of kids for a day and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's roughly 25 to $30 a day. And that, feeds how much? That, that feeds about 100 to 125 kids in a church per day. Yeah. And that also goes to pay. We have two Kenyan ladies in each church who, who cook the meals each day, and we pay them a small, um, a small amount just for their, their time and service, and it helps them, mm-hmm. you know, um, just manage their finances and helps their families. Yeah. And that provides for firewood to cook and all the stuff. We provide, Everything they need. We provide tables and chairs and mm-hmm. bowls and spoons and cooking utensils and all that stuff. We've provided a uh, kitchen at each location. Mm. And that's one of the things that we also want to do is is build a feeding building at each center. We've, we've already done that at Njejo. Um, and so we want to do that as well at other church at the other locations. If Lisa wasn't puking today and she could have been here, what would she have said about nourishing the nations? Well, Lisa loves the people. Huh. You know, she loves. I mean, obviously, we love that the kids are getting fed, but she loves the fact that our friends in Kenya, through the help of our friends here in the U.S., are able to feed their children, feed other people's children. And the the, the greatest thing about ministry in Kenya is the relationships with the people. Hmm. You know, there's so many people here that support us that don't get to see firsthand what goes on in Kenya. And if I think if, if that's one thing Lisa could say was that she just loves the people and the relationships that we have there. And we have a we have such a good group of people here mm-hmm. that help. You know, Christian Ashara, um, Aikens mm-hmm. Shara kind of takes care of the finances on the, the ministry end of it, and she does a good job with that. And our, our board here, you know, um, you and Brooke and then uh, um, the Condries, Condries yeah. you know. And so well, there's uh, some good and people. Chris and Sarah Ray. And so we've got a really good group of people that help us out. And it's neat to see our church people connect, even if it's over social media, mm-hmm. with the pastors and yeah. with some of the people involved in the ministry on that side. Yeah. Um, and to see them wish each other happy birthday and sure. to see them like each other's posts. And some yeah. of them have met. A lot of them have met. A lot of them haven't. Yeah. Some of them will in the future. Some of them never will. Yeah. Uh, but there's relationships there, mm-hmm. and we've gone back enough, and we have deep enough roots there with them relationally that it does very much feel like a partnership. It does yeah. not feel like we're just chucking money in, mm-hmm. into some black hole of ministry. But right. you see the pictures, you see the results, you hear the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the things I like most about it, um, obviously I like seeing those pictures when you post them or Lexi posts them about uh, – you know, kids eating. That's just a, a neat thing to see. Kids mm-hmm. that wouldn't have had a meal getting to have a meal. Yeah. Um, I also love that our church has sort of adopted these pastors. I know we, when we go over with a short-term team, we invite lots of pastors and lots of church leaders, but we're really pouring into those guys in a focused way yeah. for training, for discipleship, for... You know, those guys don't have access to seminary or books or theological education mm-hmm. like we have here. Right. But we're doing what we can do to be over there and through that relationship to equip them for ministering to the people that are showing up at their church for the the meals yeah. and to, to minister to those families. Yeah. And I think the thing I like most about Nourishing the Nations is the fact that I do think of you as a regular pastor. You're a, a guy that works in the oil field and... You work here at the church bivocationally, and that allows us as a church to do some different things. Uh, but it also is just a neat thing to see a regular guy like you 
one, lead teams at our church and to do it well, but also to start something that, I don't know, I think I just think a lot of people who have quote-unquote regular jobs here in the States don't think they could ever do something like what you've done. Yeah. And I think through your story, listening to you and knowing you and watching you, I think you would say, no, you could. Yeah. Like, you just got to do it. You just yeah. got to jump in and live it and do it and mm-hmm. be committed to it. And, you know, 15 years ago, you couldn't have imagined that you would have started a nonprofit feeding hungry kids in Kenya and training pastors. Right. But over time, sort of one step of obedience at a time, faithfulness over a decade, mm-hmm. that's where you find yourself. And it hadn't been glamorous right. or it hasn't just been, you know, uh, worthy of lots of media attention or publicity, mm-hmm. yeah. but it is making a real difference in people's lives and God's using it. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I think that's a good picture of the gospel too. Just God uses ordinary people yep. to do extraordinary things, you know, and if we're obedient and to what he lays before us, then, you know, great things can happen. I like it. Uh, the website is nourishingthenations.org. Yep. There is a Facebook page. There is an Instagram account. Yep. And uh, you can have uh, contact with the Harringtons if you've got questions or uh, you're interested in the ministry, you want to connect in some way. Uh, we do take teams over, mm-hmm. and uh, we love to take people from our church, but we also end up taking people from yep. all over the place with yep. us. We, we do. Like, we like tag-alongs. Sure. So anyways, I appreciate you coming up. I wish uh, your better half could have been here. And uh, we could have had some real wisdom in the room, but (laughs) since she couldn't make it, we'll just do the best we can and hope she's feeling better soon. So thanks for your time. And uh, in regular pastor form, we're off to a missions trip meeting to get ready for 2019. That's right. Thanks for having me. It's going to be good. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Regular Pastor Podcast. Check us out online. Uh, And then when you're done checking us out online, be sure to go to nourishingthenations.org and see how you can be involved in that ministry. Until next time, this is The Regular Pastor, out.